Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, remember last week where we kept saying, ah, the week's going by so slowly, it feels like it's a day later. This week feels like the opposite. We're already to Wednesday. Sports Talk Mississippi, what's up on a Wednesday afternoon? Glad to have you along. Sports Talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. If you've got land financing needs of any kind, Mississippi Land Bank can help. They've been financing land and all that goes with it, which means equipment and production loans and refinancing an existing loan uh, for over 100 years. Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com where they know the lay of the land. This this week moving a little quicker for you, Borky? Yeah, it or is. Or no? No, it, it really is. Okay. I mean, I guess it's just because there's been uh, something more. I mean, I guess a championship on the line this week that I've been actually surprisingly locked into. Yeah. Really enjoyed watching baseball last night. And I'm usually in the camp of, I want to see home runs and runs scored. It was fun watching that dude work last night. You're talking about who, Kumar, Kumar Rocker? Rocker? Yeah, you knew in the first inning that Vanderbilt was winning that baseball game. That's all it took. He was he was certainly dealing. What, he struck out the again. side in the first and then struck out two in the second, and then that was the ball game right there. Yeah, he got five of the first six. But really, it was Michigan kind of, in some ways, giving that game away. Vanderbilt scored what? Uh, of their four runs, only one or maybe two were earned? Maybe it's two that were earned. In the uh, in the game, hey Dad, have you been home long enough that you've kind of gotten readjusted and back into the swing of things, and your kids have relearned your name and all that good stuff? <laughs> you know who had the uh, the the, the toughest uh, adjustment was one of my cats. Evidently, while I was gone, he stopped sleeping in the bedroom because I wasn't there. But now that I'm back, he's he's come back. So that's that's good. I didn't know cats liked people. Mine do. They just don't like. You always been a cat guy. Angry. No, I, we used to have a dog, but uh, we have cats now. That's an interesting transition to make from being a uh, a dog guy to a cat guy. I'm just a, I'm just an animal person, except for rodents. I don't do that. Cats don't like kind of weird you out. No. Okay. Do they walk across your car and leave the little footprints all over them? No, they're inside crazy cats. about cats. They're inside cats. They don't they don't go outside. Yeah. No uh, litter box issues. I mean, it's disgusting, but it gets cleaned out every day. So that's good. Is that your job or uh, one of your kids? Ooh, that's, that my wife handles that one. Would you still have a cat if it was your job to take care of the litter box? Yeah, I mean, when I when she's gone, I take care of it. But you know, when she's home, that she because she gets up first, so she just goes and gets it. Yeah. Rippy, you don't really strike me as a cat guy. Not a cat guy. I like dogs. I say, are you a dog guy? I mean, I don't, I've never. I had a, we had a dog as a kid. Like I don't. I have a bunch of friends that have them now. I don't have a na- one now, but like 
I like dogs. I've That'd got a, a three-legged guy. one you can take off my hands if you'd like. Oh, I thought you loved that dog, Borky. I do, but she's trouble, man. Like, she messed in the house last night. Uh-oh. Hey, I know. And, I mean, it, she's I mean, You could have a cat. Now. They mess in the house all the time. Yeah, humans yeah. do that, too. And, hey, Dad sounds one step away from snake guy. <laughs> what do you mean? He's gone from dog to cat. Once these cats pass, like, my, probably my wife python. is deathly afraid of snakes. There will they'll never be one of those in the house. What about a parrot? Bird guy's usually the next step after that, too. You can, it's kind of like a fork in the road. You can take either snake or bird. Uh, probably not, no. Fish? against birds. Uh, we, you know, when my young, my oldest was very young, we had, she had a fish. But, uh, it died as fishes are wont to do. Yeah, they, they tend to do that. Were you afraid your cat might eat the fish? No, I'm afraid, you know, continuing down this path, we just got my youngest daughter a guinea pig. She got That's what she wanted for her birthday. I am afraid that the cats will kill that. Are you just letting the guinea pig, like, run wild no, in the it house? it doesn't run free, but, I mean, I, you know, cats are quick, man. And they, you just never know. So, okay, yeah, you you got to help me out on this. So how much went into the decision? So she had, this wasn't like a surprise gift. You didn't surprise her with a guinea pig. This is something she had asked for, right? Correct. So from the time that she goes, hey, Dad, for my birthday, I'd really like a guinea pig until you actually get on board. Like that, okay. Do what? I don't let her call me by my last name like that. Dad? You said, hey, Dad. I was, I was making a joke. But go ahead. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, Daddy, I'd yeah. really like a guinea pig for my birthday. At what point did you go from... Yeah, that's not happening, too. Ah, sure. Let's get her a guinea pig. Well, my wife came to me and, and, and said that's what she wanted, and I said, well, we need to you know, come up with something here. And, and so we told her that, you know, her she doesn't have a, a, a terribly messy room, but I said it has to be spotless for two months. So that's what we did. And she kept, to her credit, she kept her room clean every day, and uh, she didn't have any other huge mix-ups or mess-ups along the way, so she got a guinea hmm. pig. Did you ever think about making the um, the requirements a little bit more difficult and unattainable so that you could actually not have to get a guinea pig? No, I, di- I didn't. Because it doesn't bother me. It's in a cage. I don't ever see it. So it doesn't bother me that much. She doesn't ever take the guinea pig out of the cage? She takes it out in, in, in her in her room, but she doesn't. I don't have to deal with it. Are they small enough to where they can run around in those balls? No, that's what hamsters have to do that. I, I learned this. Guinea pigs don't do that. They're larger, right? Yeah. It's it's basically a glorified rat. Yeah, they're oh, cooler looking though. Yeah. By all means, um, let's get a let's get a rat. No, you uh, just no, said no, a no. guinea pig's a glorified rat. A rat is is I will I'm uh, Brian Haydad's only afraid of a couple of things. Rats are one of them. I don't deal. But with you rats. just said your daughter's pet is a glorified rat. It's a glorified yeah. rat, but it, it doesn't have the tail, and I don't think it's got the plague. So uh, we can live with that. But I'm not. If you I'm fed not it cheese. It would eat it, though. Uh, well, well, that's true about me again. You know, what, what are we getting at? Uh, we got a bunch to get to. I promise I did not intend to spend this much time at the beginning of the show on uh, on these but things. It was but fun. perhaps you're. But but here's the thing: if you're riding along in the car and listening right now, there's no middle of the road for you on this conversation. You're you're either on one side or the other. I, I think. I don't think there's any fence sitting. I think you're either on. Team, wow, Richard, I can't believe you're against the idea of getting your kid a guinea pig. Or you're on team, hey, Dad, I cannot believe you got your kid a guinea pig. You can be apathetic about 
guinea pigs. Can you? It's in a cage. It, like, it poops in the cage. It pees it, in it the really cage. It's a glorified rat. It a is cage. a glorified rat, though. Do, do you think it cleans up after itself in the cage? No, I've, I, I've I was, gone That was another condition. I, that was another condition. I said I will have no part in the cleanliness of this animal or its facilities. I thought so. you said you came home to an empty house on Saturday. There's nobody did, to take had, care of the rat. Aha. We had somebody take care of the guinea pig because I was adamant in my uh, refusal to do that. So our so next you had to neighbor, pay somebody to take care of the guinea pig. We didn't pay them. Our next-door neighbor was just nice enough to do it for us. Mm. All right. Hey, look, man. Yeah, you do you. I, I'm happy for your kids. <laughs> Dude, they're way better. This, this is a What's fun What's the pig's call? name? What's the rat's Daisy. name? Daisy. That's a good rat name. <laughs> I agree, man. I'm sorry, Borky, what was that? Yeah, they're way better than rats, though. It's not a glorified rat. We had rats at our house in Bellhaven, and, buddy, they are not rats. That's disgusting. Oh, Richard. So they were climbing up underneath... Never go to that house. They were climbing up underneath the house through the laundry room. The connection, I guess the exhaust in the laundry room, was in the middle of the house. So the exhaust went underneath the house, and the hole that it went out of was two times the size of the exhaust pipe. So the rats were climbing up, through the dryer exhaust into the house. And they were big, man. I'm talking like eight inches long. You could hear them running in the house. Oh, God. Oh. So oh. We, we had an exterminator come out, and he sealed the Good hole cry. and put poison all over the house. The thing about that idiot is he didn't tell us where all he put the poison, and the poison didn't kill the rats right away. So he sealed their exit hole and left poison in the house so the rats would die, and we wouldn't know that they died until we could smell them and pinpoint the smell and then eradicate the rats. Every bit of that is terrifying to me. That's disgusting. C Spire text line 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Darren and Jackson, we had a cat that died at 15. All I have to say is pet doors are one of the world's best invention. Litter box was earth. Uh, Richard sends a, uh, a picture of his pet goat aside the above ground swimming pool that says that is her water bowl. Uh, is Richard calling Brian, hey dad, his daddy now? No. Philip in Starkville says those furry cage things stink. Jeff says guinea pigs are disgusting. And Mike, with the one-liner of the day, this conversation is going to the dogs. <sighs> or the way of the cuckoo bird. We've got some over-under wind totals that are out. Bob Lee is hanging it up at ESPN after 40 years. Some have called him the conscience of ESPN. I'm not so sure that that's not a really good description. Kendall Rogers will join us from Omaha on the final day of the College World Series and of the college baseball season. Cole Kubelik from ESPN and Jocks in Birmingham will join us to talk some college football. The NCAA has once again said, hey, we want to uh, kind of redo on this transfer legislation thing. And guess what? We've got more unintended consequences to talk about. All of that with you on this Wednesday in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Barring a game that goes 47 innings and into 4 a.m. in the morning and they decide to uh, suspend it, or weather, the college baseball season will come to an end sometime around 10 or 10.30 tonight. Vanderbilt and Michigan are going to Game 3. It is winner-take-all. And it's been a pretty good College World Series, and it's been a pretty good College World Series finals. 
Uh, Kendall Rogers from D1 Baseball joins us right now. We've talked to him all season long. So maybe, Kendall, I should start there instead of just throwing it on, as an add-on at the end. We really appreciate you uh, being on with us on a regular basis. It, uh, it certainly makes the college baseball season a lot of fun. Well, I appreciate it, man. It's been a lot of fun. Certainly a fun year for Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and, of course, Southern Miss. Really fun year for all three of those schools. And uh, I don't like the way you're talking there, saying about weather and maybe playing another day here. I, I think we just need to get this over with today. Yeah, I mean, you know, barring something crazy, the season <laughs> comes to an end today. Uh, let's do this in reverse order. Who wins? Who's going to carry the trophy off the field tonight? You know, I think I do lean Vandy. I just think when you look at the job that uh, you know Mason Hickman has done as of late for Vandy, you look at the the way the bullpen stack up. Uh, you know, Vandy still has Jake Eater fresh, Hugh Fisher's fresh, Tyler Brown did throw some pitches last night, but he can come out of the bullpen. I, you know, and I look at Michigan. You know, they're going to start Carl Kaufman, who. Uh, has done really well in Omaha, but if you think back at uh, you know his last outing at Texas Tech, his stuff was was very much down on his second start here. So I just have a hard time believing that his stuff is going to be down in game two, but in his third start here, his stuff's going to be back to normal. Of course, adrenaline can be a funny thing, but uh, I just like Vanderbilt. I just think Vanderbilt, uh, you know, other than UCLA, has been the best team in college baseball all year long, and uh, I think they'll show that again tonight. One of the things that Michigan has done well, and, and not just in this time in Omaha, but if you go back to the UCLA series and maybe even to the, the the Corvallis Regional when they had to beat Creighton a couple of times, I feel like they grind out at bats, and, and they make pitchers have to work and work and maybe even get them into some pitch count situations where they're not as comfortable, and then they're kind of able to get to the bullpen. If there's a weakness for Vanderbilt, it's got to be with the arms out of the pen, right? I mean, the stuff is great, but it's not necessarily consistent. Yeah, I would say so. The biggest thing with Vanderbilt as the season's progressed is, uh, you know, the, the command from all their pitchers, even though they're very talented, uh, just hasn't been that great. Now, that's going to be key. You know, you look at last night with Kumar Rocker, he certainly threw very well, uh, for Vandy, but, uh, you know, also he had to come out and they had to turn the game over to Tyler Brown for two and two thirds. So, uh, Michigan was even able to get his pitch count up, even though he dominated them. So, you're right. When you look at Jimmy Kerr and some of these guys who've had you know, great showings here in Omaha for uh, you know Big Blue, uh, they will grind out at bats. And the, and the key for Vandy again in this ballpark, as we've seen so many times, if you can limit free passes, uh, you've got a very good chance to win. On the flip side, you know, if you, if you walk a lot of guys, uh, you certainly have a great chance to lose. So that that may be the key tonight. You're right, Kendall. When do you think the switch flipped? for Kumar Rocker? Because if you go back to the beginning of the year, he had some performances that were just okay. I mean, you, you saw that there was potential there, but this last six weeks of the season, maybe even last two months of the season, he's been just dialed in. What what caused the the switch flip? I think the biggest thing for him is there's probably some mechanical things he cleaned up, and I also think he just... Uh, got a lot more mature. You know, I saw him early, early in conference play. It might have been, it seems like an ancient uh, history now, but I think it was like the second or third week of conference uh, when Bandy was at A&M. And he threw about four really, really sharp innings, and his command of a slider, his breaking ball, really, really struggled. And, you know, if you look at his command over the last few weeks, uh, you know, there have been some times where he's walked some guys, or for the most part, when he's needed to make big-time pitches, uh, that breaking ball has been a weapon for him. And then when you look at that fastball last night, that thing was, you know, 94, 95, and it, and it had the same shape of a slider. I mean, it was moving like a slider. So yeah. I think the biggest thing for him is he just refined his stuff a little bit. And he's just showing a lot better command. I think it's pretty much uh, as simple as that. 
I feel like the, the, the scholarship situation at Vanderbilt, while it's not a new thing, it's become something that people are more aware of and maybe college baseball yeah. fans, especially SEC baseball fans, are more frustrated by than they have been in, in years past. Do, do you get that feeling that, that there's more discussion about this than there has been in the past, the fact that, that Vanderbilt, frankly, is just playing a different game than almost everybody else? Yeah, you know, what's weird is I think there is a lot more discussion about it, but the weird thing is I think the discussion is more positive. Um, I think more teams and more fans are looking at Michigan's roster and looking at Vanderbilt's roster and then looking at schools like Mississippi and Mississippi State and, and, you know, states that have very large minority populations and going, like, why, why doesn't our roster look like that? And I think a lot of people know now, or at least are starting to kind of be educated on, uh, you know, Vanderbilt, Michigan scholarship situation, the fact that that isn't available uh, at schools like Mississippi State or Ole Miss or Southern Miss. And so, in a way, like, whereas in the past, I think people have kind of gone after Vandy a little bit. I think a lot more people are now looking at Vandy and Michigan going, hey, whoa, like, what's keeping us from being like that? And so, uh, I think the, the conversation has honestly been positive. I don't know about down there, but, uh, you know, just from, from Twitter and things like that, it just seems like a lot more people are wanting college rates to gravitate more toward that. Uh, as opposed to saying, hey, like Vandy shouldn't be doing that. No, I, I get that from a national perspective, but no, it hasn't been positive yeah. where we are because schools like Ole Miss and Mississippi yeah. State, and I guess Alabama and Auburn, I think those are the only four of the 14 who don't have some sort of state-based assistance, whether yeah. it's you know a, a lottery or, in the case of Vanderbilt, the, the need-based aid. And so Ole Miss and Mississippi mm-hmm. State, are, and, and Alabama and Auburn are legitimately having to do this on 11.7. And then you look at a place like yeah. Vanderbilt, and it's like, okay, how many scholarships is it? Is it 25? Is it 27? Is it 30, if that's what they need it to be? And people are just going, how do you how do you compete with that? Yeah, I mean, well, my answer would be is, is people have competed with that for years. I mean, if that was the case, Vanderbilt, and especially Michigan, they would just win the national championship or play for a national title every year. And uh, Vanderbilt's not doing that. So uh, I would say there's there's zero doubt that Vanderbilt has significant advantages in the Southeastern Conference. With that said, Vanderbilt is also not one of those programs to where kids are growing up in the state of Tennessee dreaming about going to school at Vanderbilt. Most kids that grow up in that state are dreaming about going to uh, Tennessee for their college career or something like that. Or in the state of Mississippi, kids are, are born and raised to either go to Mississippi State or Ole Miss or Southern Miss, whereas Vandy doesn't have that, that kind of advantage. So, yeah, I get it. Like, we're, the schools in that league are playing from behind, but there are also some built-in advantages in some of these SEC schools that Vandy doesn't have. I mean, Alabama, for instance, uh, now has record enrollment, record applicants, and things like that. People want Alabama. People don't necessarily grow up wanting to go to Vanderbilt. So, I, I get it. It's frustrating. But I, but I still look at Vandy and its, and its history in the SEC and say, you know what, they've been a they've been a great program, but it's not like they're coming to Omaha and just you know whip it up on everybody every year. And Michigan's the same way. Michigan has basically the same programs back. It's basically is utilizing the same type of programs. And you know Michigan's in, in Omaha for the first time since 1984. So uh, it's an advantage, but is it a deal breaker? I don't think it is. Yeah. Well, and I guess at the end of the day, you've got to have a coach that one knows how to take advantage of whatever opportunities yeah. are there for him, and then two's got to be a great baseball coach. And I think both of these guys in the finals are. No, you're right, and you know Eric is a, just a rising star. I would expect him to be a guy that the next big SEC job that comes open, I, whoever it is, is probably going to throw the brink strike at him, and 
You know, I think when you look at Corbs, he's obviously a guy that knows how to manage rush. That's the other thing too. You know, is when you you know it's kind of like Florida a little bit when you're Vanderbilt and you have so much talent. Man, it's it's almost a second job to sit there and manage those egos and manage those players. And so, uh, both those coaches have done a really nice job. And you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. I just think overall, you know, kind of going back to the scholarship thing real quick. Uh, you know, for people that don't like it, it it's not going to change because I, I talked to the NCA about this a couple of years ago, and the NCA basically told me like we're in a sport where we're trying to get people more on board with increasing scholarships. So they're, they're like, there's zero chance that we're going to legislate anything that would limit schools like Vanderbilt, Michigan, Virginia, North Carolina from doing what they do. Why would we take away scholarships from a sport that's already lacking them? Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately, the way you level the field is you give everybody the ability to go out and give 20 or 22 scholarships as opposed to limiting it to 11.7 when you're talking about a 35-man roster. Yeah, and what they ultimately should do, and this this will need to be the approach moving forward in college baseball, is, uh, you know, we all when you look at the Southern states and you look at the, the makeup of these rosters, uh, it, it's time for college baseball to not only make this say, hey, we need to get more scholarships in general issue, but, hey, we, we need to get more minority participation in college baseball. You know, you look at the rosters across some of these states, and you know, some of these states are 30, 35% African-American, if not more, and there might be two guys on the roster. So that if I'm in NCAA, I'm sitting there thinking, like, hey, uh, you know, if, if whether it's in the workplace or places like this, we're trying to become more diverse, then, hey, how about scholarships? How, how about we give more opportunities to some of these kids to be able to go to Mississippi State out of Jackson or something and be able to play baseball at Mississippi State as, as opposed to either not playing baseball or they're signing for – Sixty thousand dollars in the draft. So I think this is an issue that that has come to the forefront, um, mm-hmm. and I think with Michigan doing what it has, it's made it come to the forefront. And, I, and honestly, I think it's a very, very positive development for college baseball because I think this discussion is just getting started. Kendall, great stuff today. Thanks for your time. Absolutely, guys. Be good. It's Kendall Rogers from D One Baseball. More coming up with you in the Renaissance Bank Studio. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey. Thanks to Kendall Rogers for joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line from Omaha. College World Series final final game tonight uh, coming up. Vanderbilt and Michigan Series tied at a game apiece. Rubber match for a trophy. Everybody on board with Vanderbilt winning it all tonight? Anybody going the, uh, the route of... Uh, Big blue. I just don't see it. I just, I just don't. Like I think it was Rippy said yesterday, they've only lost two games back to back, or two out of three tw- twice this year. I just don't see it. In your head yeah. or in your heart? Because my heart's a Michigan man today. Yeah, but I don't see it. I think Vanderbilt in three, but like no one was giving them much of a chance in the game one versus a very average pitcher. Yeah. Hickman's pretty good, but he's not great. But these are usually the games where Vanderbilt just bludgeons you offensively. Yeah, it doesn't this is a game feel they like win that's going to happen, though, against... Right, because technically Michigan is throwing eight, their ace with Kaufman. Like, Henry really is, or has been lately, but technically it yeah. is. And so, like, they got as good a chance as ever, but this is always just feels like the... Like, this is always the game where Vanderbilt just kind of issues a blow you can't recover from. Like a four or five run third fourth inning, and then it's just kind of off to the races from there. That's why they're hard to beat. But 
and I, I just I don't know. Vanderbilt's bullpen's really fresh, even if Hickman sucks. Like they got a couple guys. Brown Tyler Brown could definitely throw again. I think he threw forty pitches last night. Yeah. You you feel good about Tyler Brown going back out and giving you a six out save? Oh uh, yeah, it's a national title game. Forget his arm. Who yeah. cares about that? They're not he's got saving, a chance to get a trophy. They're not saving him for Friday. Yeah. That's kind of my point. Last yeah. game of the year, Richard can't hold anything back now. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Tommy John be damned. But I think Vanderbilt's probably very I mean, excuse me, Michigan's probably very happy not to see Kumar Rockers two pitches again. Uh yeah. Does he even have a changeup? Not really. He's gonna have to get one eventually. Uh, you would think he would eventually need is there is there a big league pitcher? That is like highly successful. That has only two pitches. Not a starter. Yeah, there was a closer once. You might have heard of him, uh, Richard. Yeah, I hear you. There's been a couple closers, a couple relievers. Like, I mean, Hater probably is Verlander close. Kind of, but he. I mean, he's fastball and a hammer. He has a changeup though. Is there anybody else though that that in the big leagues is just fastball curveball? Nobody's coming to mind. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of one right off the top of my head. I mean, no one front line. There's probably fourth, fifth starter. How good is Kershaw's changeup? What month is it? <laughs> it's fair. Seven out of ten. And you're and you're going fastball and curveball, or ten out of ten. Eight nine range, yeah. Ten's got to be pretty nasty. Like Luis Castillo changeup, probably nine point five, close to ten. Verlander's curveball is a nine and a half, probably, or at least used to be. This is not a scientific scale, by the way. This is just between my ears. I understand, <laughs> which is entirely not scientific, right? Um, who's your favorite ESPN personality? Borky, who's the guy at ESPN that you like the most? For me, it's Scott Van Pelt. Yeah, it's SVP, but for some reason, and I know it's crazy, Stephen A. Smith is coming around on me. Really? God. I, I am starting I not to, to hate him. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> Once you take him for what he is, he ends up being kind of entertaining. I know it's ridiculous. His radio show is much better than that forced argument show in the morning. Uh, he's don't you around. call my radio show or something? Yeah, I'm not but it's say. just a one-sided... Uh, Borky, I don't disagree. It's kind of like Levitard, where his radio show is much better than his TV show. But still, Stephen A's radio show is just him yelling. Instead of Max Kellerman, it's a microphone and a wall. Yeah, I can't take it for three hours a day, but it's fun to occasionally check in on the opening monologue of Stephen A's radio show. Honestly, I'm not sure if this is considered a sport, but the fact that Stephen A never loses his voice is fairly athletic. That's pretty impressive. Ever. He does boxing really well. Not not does, even kidding. He does all kinds of television, all kinds of radio. Dude's voice is always at 100%. Yeah, I don't know how much he gets paid, but it's probably a lot. And his number of hits on ESPN, I don't think there's anybody in the company that appears on television or radio more than Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Mine's SVP. And it's probably not close. But I'll go off the wall. Neil Everett? You like your Neil Everett guy? Yeah. I like Kenny Maine. Hey, Dad, who's your uh, who's your guy or gal at ESPN? God, like two decades ago, we got kind of really comp- you know, added to this conversation. I don't watch. I'm, a I'm okay of with ESPN. it being two decades ago. Oh, um, back in the day, I mean, Dan Patrick and Olbermann were so great on the Big Show, but Craig Kilborn and Brett Haber were really good. Jumanji. 
Ah, does those are, those, Bill Walton count? The, Bill Walton should definitely count. He's one. He's that's number one by far if it's if it counts. I, I mention all of this to say that Bob Lee, after a forty-year career at ESPN, he was one of the originals. Announced his retirement from the network earlier today. He had taken a leave of absence since October, said in a statement that he will be retiring at the end of this month. He was ESPN's longest tenured anchor. He says, quote, to be clear, this is entirely my decision. I enjoy the best of health and the many blessings of friends and family, and it is in that context that I'm making this change through the decades and my innumerable experiences at ESPN. I have built many deep and fulfilling friendships. You know who you are. I know you also know how much you mean to me. We have shared an American story unlike any other, and we will continue to do so in the years ahead. Um, I'm just going to read the rest of the statement. This is good stuff. Through the decades, uh, I'm sorry, next paragraph. I've been gifted by our viewers and consumers with a precious commodity, your trust. To be invited into your homes was a privilege I never took for granted, one I worked each day to uphold. Thank you for that. In September... I signed off my last show saying I'll catch you on the flip side. Now it's time to take that vinyl off the turntable, flip it over, and drop the needle on the B-side. There are always great cuts and hidden gems on the B-side. Thank you for a great run. That's Bob Lee. Have you heard it said before that he's the conscience of ESPN? No, that really sounds good. Yeah, I've heard that many times, and it's very accurate, especially, especially now when... It feels like it's a lot more entertainment than sports, and there's obviously some politics thrown in there. Uh, Bob Lee was always the guy who, like, because he was there at the beginning, you you felt that connection to him of, okay, he, he's about sports, and he's about uh, the good stories in sports. I was about to ask. I saw a pretty compelling Internet thread today, which is kind of an oxymoron in and of itself, but it was like kind of making an argument that would he even get hired today because he doesn't have a shtick like he doesn't yell scream oh no you're right no. he's kind of no. does the news bob lee joined espn as a sports center anchor on september 9th 1979 day three of the network's operation in 1980 he hosted the first ncaa selection show and live broadcast of the nfl draft he continued in that role for the next nine years host of Outside the Lines, uh, hosted ESPN's weekly E60 show on Sunday mornings. And listen, if if there was a really important story, if there was a big story, if there was a serious news story in sports, then Bob Lee was the guy that you wanted to cover it. I met Bob Lee one time. I should have met him a second time, and that second time should have been about two days ago. And I kind of messed up on that. Um, the one time that I met him, I was doing women's basketball play-by-play at Ole Miss. They were in the NCAA tournament and playing in uh, Hartford, Connecticut, and had somebody that set up a tour of ESPN for us and uh, went over and took the tour of the campus that was a lot different in the mid-2000s, mid-early 2000s than it is now. Uh, but I did meet Bob Lee while I was there. And I will always be able to tell you exactly what that day was with a quick internet search because it was the day that Bo Schimbeckler died. Remember the Michigan man. So we're actually going through um, the tour of ESPN and the Sports Center headquarters when that happens. And it was kind of crazy to watch them kind of spring into action because that was a big sports story that happened that day. And then he was honored. Um, 
I think it was a Lifetime Achievement Award this weekend by the National Sports Media Association. They had their big award ceremony in uh, in Winston Salem this weekend, and um, back in the oh, I guess it was sometime in the early spring or winter when they made the announcement of the the State Broadcaster of the Year awards. I was supposed to go to that thing this weekend, that award ceremony this past weekend. Ended up not going for a couple of other reasons but would have gotten to meet Bob Lee and talk to him and shake his hand again. So now I'll have to do it some other time. Anyway. He's a good dude. Did you feel like you trusted Bob Lee when he took when he stepped on TV? Yes. And that's probably, was probably one of the greatest. to see him go. <laughs> Say again, hey, Dad. What, he what said FIFA is said? probably glad to see him go. <laughs> I was just going to say that, like, I don't even remember now. I was just, that was a good joke, Ruby. You got me. Yeah. Sepp Blatter will not be attending the retirement ceremony for Bob <laughs> Lee at the Worldwide Leader. Tommy Tuberville may be elected to office. Huh? Tell you more next in the Renaissance Bank studio. Streaming online at supertalk.fm. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippy. Sports Talk. Brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can text the show on the C Spire text line. That number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. C Spire, customer inspired. So Tommy Tuberville, remember at one point he was going to run for governor of Alabama? And then he kind of backed out of it, right? Isn't that it? Wasn't that the original foray into politics for Tommy Tuberville was going to be as governor? Yeah, he right, tested yeah. the waters on that, and the waters didn't test very well back. I guess a signal poll of likely 2020 Alabama Republican primary voters released Wednesday found that former Auburn head coach Tommy Tuberville is leading the field with 29.3 percent of the vote. That's nearly an eight percent lead over Bradley Byrne, who is not related to Alabama Athletics Director Greg Byrne. The poll found Tuberville well ahead of Rory Moore, who is, uh, I guess, still riding his horse in those ads. He's the one that uh, really messed up late in the process last go-around, right? He, he had some issues. You, you yes. can put it that way if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. That's I guess very that's politically what... correct. Good job. Speaking of, if this gets into like a nasty race, you figure some Tuberville skeletons might surface. You think there's some skeletons? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, Ruby doesn't think, I don't think. I think his, Ruby knows. His skeletons can't be any spookier than Roy Moore's, though. Or do you just think Roy Moore's are already all out there? Yeah. There are, there are, well, I don't know. I don't know that guy at all. Dude that rides a horse in the manner in which he rides a horse, there's probably some more back there. But uh, <laughs> other than that, well, I guess my point being is like it's 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 interesting if this gets into an actual political fist fight, what will surface? Because I feel like it could be a mudslinging. Yeah, okay, fair enough, but it's kind of, this is a state election, not a national election, which is important to remember because... There can be rumor and innuendo and lots of people that should be able to disseminate information about certain candidates 
who for one reason or another don't. That happens at the state level. Doesn't really happen so much at the national level. If you're running for president, all bets are off. If there's any dirt out there, it's getting out there. Rumor, innuendo, doesn't matter. That doesn't happen all the time at the state level. Would you agree with that? I'm trying to think of like a really nasty governor's race here. Well, if he'd have beaten Alabama more, maybe. He beat him pretty bad. Didn't he win six straight on him? I mean, there was one for the thumb. I mean, he got five in a row. I thought he got But then six. ultimately got fired because he didn't continue to beat There's Alabama. There's just a couple in mind that come to mind that like would not be that difficult. I understand that. I'm just saying... There's a lot of low-hanging fruit in politics that you think would disqualify people or would get floated out there that, for one reason or another, ends up not getting floated out there. It happens in Mississippi. It would happen that way in Alabama, too. Or in Roy Moore's case, it gets floated out there and people are like, to hell with it. Yes. There's also that. Uh, The winner of the 2020 Republican primary will challenge... Uh, Doug Jones, a Democrat, who lost, uh, or I'm sorry, who defeated Roy Moore, memorably. <laughs> I love this. I love this in the uh, the story. Byrne is a U.S. congressman representing Alabama's first district, while Merrill is currently another guy serving as Alabama's Secretary of State. Moore was the Republi- Republican nominee in Alabama's 2017 special election, who uh, memorably lost to Doug Jones, a Democrat. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the story says. That's also a very politically correct way to put it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Tuberville would not be the first recent coach to go from the sideline t- to Capitol Hill. Tom Osborne did it. Uh, however, Tuberville's election would be more oppressive given that Osborne did not have to overcome the pigskin partisan bias that Tuberville faces. Despite being the Auburn coach... Don't most people like Tommy Tuberville in the state of Alabama? He couldn't beat Saban. Of course they do. No, but I'm saying Auburn people were ready for a change, but most Auburn people like Tommy. Alabama people probably didn't like him when he was winning and were so mad when he was one for the thumb in him. But he's just one of those guys that most people like. You hate Spurrier when he's coaching against your team. But most Tennessee fans like Steve Spurrier. Right? I think he's electable. Just need to come up with a pine box slogan. That's all we need. Could be like the pine ballot box. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> Tuberville 019. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm and the Renaissance Bank Studio. after 4 o'clock with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Bring in Mo. Man, what I wouldn't give to uh, see him run onto the field one more time. Like in his old incarnation, not like 50-year-old Mo Rivera coming in and trying to shut it down against the Red Sox. Did he hit an in-the-parker in an old-timers game the other day? Did he? Yeah, they were playing the Astros. They had an old-timers game on the Sunday before. Still pretty athletic looking. Yeah. 
Aaron Boone went deep in BP, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Put a couple of rows up there. Like Yankees BP? Yeah. He's still pretty athletic looking as well. Relatively speaking, yeah. I mean, compared to me. I was about to, that's kind of what I was comparing it to, but me. Oh, you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's probably very athletic looking. Just slightly athletic compared to you, though? Well, no, no. I'm just taller. That's all I was getting at. How's your jump shot, man? Not very good. Okay. Yours? Pretty sweet. Really? Yeah. How often did he get blocked? Didn't. I, made, I was <laughs> one for one. <laughs> I can't decide if we're being nice to each other or mean to each other. Or just bantering back and forth. It feels like if you would let this go for another couple of minutes, it would get mean. Right on the edge. Yeah. 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 He started it. <laughs> thought it was about to turn into a staring contest sports talk brought to you every day by mississippi land bank online at mslandbank.com mississippi land bank where they know the lay of the land if you've got land financing needs of any kind mississippi land bank can help because that's what they do they finance land so if you're looking to build a house in the country they can help if you're looking to buy a piece of property for recreational purposes maybe you want a place to hunt and fish, maybe you want a place just to kind of get away and have a little bit of a cabin or a shop. Uh, Mississippi Land Bank can help with all of those things. MSLandBank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Um, Borky, help me out on this this story. This, this NCAA is altering the transfer waiver language. They are forcing players to submit a caretaker action plan if they're moving to be closer to a sick relative? Yeah, it's wild, man. So they added basically two words, and it's extenuating and extraordinary. What they tried to do is um, limit the availability of getting transfer waivers because as anybody with a brain knew was coming when they changed their rules, that anybody could just say something negative about the school they went to and get a waiver. Well, they're trying to change that, but in changing that, they added a couple of things like unintended consequences. For example, uh, the athletic director at their old school has to sign off on why the player was processed. So if any player gets processed, if they are no longer welcome at a program for whatever reason, the athletic director, in order for a player to get a waiver, has to write a handwritten letter explaining exactly why that player had no chance to be on that team anymore. So the whole... Look, man, you're not going to play here. You're fourth on the depth chart. If you want to take a chance to go play somewhere else, you can do that. Now it has to be signed off on by an athletic director, and it has to be approved by the NCAA. Also, if a player moves for hardship purposes to be closer to family for whatever reason, they are now having to submit an approved action plan on exactly how they will be a caretaker in the sick relative or... In some cases, like the players may be a parent or whatever, they have to submit a caretaker action plan that has to get approved in order for them to get a waiver to move back within 100 miles of their hometown to go to school. So, if you on, have a why is it... Okay, so here's the quote. In cases where athletes transfer within 100-mile radius of their home due to injury or illness to an immediate family member or because of a pregnancy, the NCAA's proposal requires more paperwork from both schools, including, quote a treatment plan detailing the student-athlete's caregiving responsibilities. What if they don't have caregiving responsibilities? What if they are doing it so that there's not such a burden on a sick 
mother, father, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, grandmother, grandfather, and being able to come and watch them play. Or it's easier when they have a Sunday afternoon off that they can jump in the car, drive an hour and a half, spend two hours with a family member, and then get back in time for team meetings on Sunday night. In a lot of cases, there's nothing you really can do, but you still want to be close. I've had, unfortunately, I've had three grandparents pass away. I wish I would have spent more time with them before that happened, but there was nothing that I could do being a caretaker. But in hindsight, I wish I would have stopped what I was doing in life and been there. Hey, okay, here's an example, like a real-life example. So when I was eight years old, we moved to Oxford. We lived in Dyersburg, Tennessee before that. The biggest reason for the move was my mom's dad, my grandfather, on my mom's side, had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And she wanted to be closer to her dad. She was not his primary caregiver. That was my grandmother. But she wanted to be able to spend as much time with him and have us, his grandchildren, around during his illness. That didn't mean that we moved to Coffeyville, population whatever it is, 1,400, 3,200, whatever it is. We moved to Oxford, which at the time was about 45 minutes away. Now it's about... 35 minutes away with better roads and whatnot. But the idea was to get closer to home, even though my mother was not his primary caregiver. That's just real-life stuff that makes sense. Some of this wording... Hey, Dad, listen to this. Um... The previous guidelines allowed waivers to be granted for egregious behavior by a staff member or student at the previous institution. It could have been written as the previous guidelines were designed to allow Shea Patterson and others to transfer away from Hugh Freeze and Ole Miss. Because that's the reason they put it in place. Fair. But then they realized, ooh, we kind of opened Pandora's box. And so the updated version says waivers should be granted for documented cases where the athlete was a victim of physical assault or abuse, sexually inappropriate behavior, racial abuse, religious discrimination, questioning of sexuality by a staff member or student at the previous institution. So the, the, the athlete had to be the victim of the sexually inappropriate behavior? Because then Shea would still be in Oxford. Um, oh, he's just going to let that one go. I'm just going to let that one go. Um, I mean, it's like they're okay. They're, they're kind of covering the bases on the folks that they let transfer, right? Well, they, they've let the horse out of the barn, and now they're trying to get him back in. I mean, there's there's no going back at this point. I don't think. So, if you were, if you were, a student athlete that was wanting to transfer, would you have the appetite to sue the NCAA? Over changing the rules because I mean, by the time it got to court and everything else, you're going to be out of eligibility anyway. Probably, unless you get an injunction for a while yeah. it's happening. I mean, I, I just don't. But even then, I mean, what are you going to be? 23, 24 years old? You're going to be, you know, maybe may, may out of eligibility, but you want to get out of college at that point. So, I mean, they're going to make it difficult. I don't know. I mean, well, this is just why another. Is there- why is there no pushback? And maybe there will be. But why is there no pushback for, hold on a second. 
Why are you making legislation that you put in place a year ago, but you were too dumb to look into the future just a little bit and see the problem with this? Well, I don't know. It's it's that. I mean, where's the pushback going to come from? The athletes? You know, they're not unionized. They don't have any real representation here. So, I mean, it's, this is just this is just another example, and I've said it a few times on the show. The NCA does what it wants and just makes the rules up as it goes. And if they don't like something, they just snap their fingers and change it. So, you know, at the end of the day, and I've seen a couple of people put this on Twitter. The the best case scenario for this is is one one freebie. You get one freebie. You can go anywhere you want. One freebie, no problem. But if you want a second one, then we need it. We need a legit constructed answer as to why you're transferring. What, what what if you said, what if you said you get one freebie, but you have to sit out a year. However, you don't lose a year of eligibility in that year in which you sit out. I mean, that's that's I like I like the concept, but. I mean, at some point you're talking about people spending a sixth year in college. Not everybody wants to do that. Well, if then, you've already redshirted, so. I mean, you you could still leave after you four could, or five years I mean, if you wanted to. I, I don't know. I just but but it gives you it gives you the opportunity to not lose a year of eligibility, but it does make you think twice about transferring. Yes, we will allow you to transfer with no penalty, one time. You will not lose a year of eligibility. You can be on scholarship in that year, but you do have to sit out a year. I like that more than the NCAA suggestion, I'll tell you that much. But, yeah, I mean, both of those ideas are just better. But the NCAA is, is always is going to try to work reactively rather than proactively, and here we are. Hand-raised guy. I'm not sure he's doing his job right now. Yeah, I don't there know. he is. We'll continue the countdown of one. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Check in with our buddy Cole Kubelik, co-host of Three Man Front on Jocks in Birmingham, college football analyst, the ESPN, and the SEC Network. Hey, Cole, what are you doing right now? I am uh, having my back iced in physical therapy. So you've interrupted How- that. Thank you. Well, you you knew you had physical therapy when you agreed to come visit with us, didn't you? Uh, I thought I'd be out by now, but you know we we got an extensive little work in, so it's uh, it's good. But I thought this was going to be nap time during when I was going to ice, and uh, now I have to talk to you. So, well, I'm glad you sound so excited about it. How many surgeries have you had? Thirteen. Thirteen. <laughs> Are you serious? Is, is that all post playing career? Oh, no, I started in 1995 when I was in high school. Um, I've had five on my right knee, two on my right foot, one on my right wrist, one on my nose, and three on my back. So it's been it's been fun, but uh, this probably won't be the last one. But, you know, we're just, we're just trying to survive in advance here with the two-year-old and the four-year-old. Was the, uh, was the nose, was that elective surgery? Was that cosmetic? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, that, was, that was for my television career. No, that yeah, was a uh, deviated septum from it, the the worst part of it. That was actually the worst surgery that I've had because I had I had tonsils removed, I had a deviated septum repaired, and I had polyps removed from my sinuses at the same time. And I'll never forget that the nurse geez. at East Alabama Medical Center in Old Black, Alabama. She came by and pre-op and looked at my chart, and she 
she said, I'll be right back. I think, I think there's a mistake here. And I said, okay. And she comes back and she puts the chart back in a little clipboard and she goes, nope, we're good. I said, well, what, what did you think the problem was? And she said, well, most people don't do great with one of these and you're having three. So I'm just making sure that we're really doing that to you today. And I was like, Jeez. good. But, uh, I don't know. you know, that was, that what? was like my sophomore year of college. And, you know, the older you get, the worse the tonsils are to be taken out. And then with right. polyps in my sinuses and then the deviate. I don't know if any of your listeners had a deviated septum repaired like 15 or 20 years ago, but they used to do, they used to have to pack it with gauze. They ripped that gauze out, man. It is a life-altering event. Mm. And it's like you see the gates of heaven. You feel like you're passing away as they rip it out. And pretty brutal. But um, now they just do like a little air pack, and I think it's like a week that you have that thing in. They deflate it and pull it out, and it's no big deal. So. That one by far, I think I lost like 32 pounds after that surgery when I was in college. Our strength coach thought I had cancer when I first came back to campus and talked to him. So it was interesting. Well, it, it, it's funny that, not funny that you had a deviated septum, but I was actually going to crack a joke about that with like, oh, what, do you have a deviated septum? Because I think sometimes that's what the ladies say that they had done when it's actually a nose job. <laughs> well, the funny oh, thing. I had a deviated it, septum. Yeah, maybe maybe the uneducated part part about it was I did that my sophomore year, so I think it took like two or three games and my helmet crashed down into my nose again and I had it, <laughs> it was deviated again. So it's been deviated ever since. I said I'll never go back and do that again. But I've been told that it's a really easy procedure now, but um, you know, I, I don't know if I'm ready to go under the knife again for that one. Yeah. Let's talk a little football. Um on the Ole Miss front, and, and this isn't necessarily specifically about this team, but but when you look at where Ole Miss was a year ago in the last couple of years, kind of coming out of the NCAA cloud, and kind of what they're doing from a recruiting standpoint. June was a pretty busy month, and Matt Luke and his staff seem to be doing a pretty good job. I think top 15 right now in the recruiting class rankings, knowing that it's a long time until December and, and then February. What's... What is a reasonable timetable for Ole Miss fans in kind of evaluating Matt Luke, the job that he's doing as a head coach, and for Ole Miss to get back to being a team that not necessarily is competing for the West, but is kind of in a year out, year in year out spot where they can win eight ball games, maybe get to nine games. What's a reasonable time frame? Twenty twenty one. Because I think right now. With this class that's coming in, you're still kind of filling gaps. And one thing that you're excited about is that you're going to get back to 85. And then now you're going to have a chance to compete for a postseason bowl as well. So that's those are all big pluses and big selling points for the program. And you're right about the recruiting success. I mean, he's, they're having success here in Birmingham. I think they got a kid from Hoover, and I think they got a kid from Hewitt Trustville recently. So right. I mean, they're, they're getting some kids from some big-time programs over here in Birmingham that can play. But – I think, obviously, you look at this year, I think there's a great chance that they get bowl eligible this year. I think the Memphis game is huge. If they can get the Memphis game, there's a good chance they can start 4-0. and And then, obviously, it's not overly difficult to find two other wins after that to potentially be able to find your way into a bowl game. Um, getting off to a good start, I think, would also be key. Cause I still think, even though they get back to 85 when all the freshmen arrive this summer, you're still going to have some depth issues because not all those kids are going to be ready to play. I think you're getting six freshman offensive linemen in. How many of those are going to give you meaningful snaps? It's just it's tough to ask kids that age to really be ready to go. So 
And, and then I think once you have the systems in place with the new coordinators, you give that an extra year, and then you have two more cycles in. I think 2021 should be a year that you're talking about Ole Miss being a pretty good football team. I think they're actually going to be a better team than p- other people believe this year. Are they as talented? No. Do they have the top-end talent? Definitely not. But I think when, when you look at how much better the systems are going to fit the players, how much more responsible the two coordinators are going to be as far as coaching to win games as opposed to coaching to rack up statistics on their side of the football, I think Ole Miss is going to be a better football team this year, maybe even than they were last year, and that's void of a lot more talent that they had a year ago. In in semi-layman's terms, Ole Miss making a move on the defensive side to the 3-4 from the four two five or kind of whatever it was they were trying to do, why is that a system that should lend itself to Ole Miss having more success on the defensive side of the ball? Well, I think number one, you're just you're lighter, you're a lighter defense, and so guys like Kadir Shepard aren't going to be jammed down inside and have to take on double teams and take on blocks and play the run. They'll have some guys that have a little bit more speed and athleticism, be able to get out in space, be able to rush the passer off the edge. And I think it's a better fit for just the kind of talent that's in place right now that's on that roster. A lack of defensive tackle depth and true bulk at that position, I think is another reason that you're not going to have to rely upon those kind of guys. I think you can ask guys to play different positions, to move around a little bit, to do different things, use quickness and athleticism to be able to disrupt. I think there's more players like Shepard, like Benito Jones, that can help you do those things. So for me, when you're looking at – the guys who are on that roster, what their strengths are, what they're good at, I think they're better fit to be able to thrive and cause problems in a three-man front as opposed to a four-man front or an even front. One specific game to ask you about, and I'm completely jumping subjects, not Ole Miss, but looking to Week 2 when LSU goes to Austin to take on Texas, is that the game that is the litmus test for you this year? for what LSU can be? No, it's a litmus test for me for what Texas can be. Okay. There's I, there, there's a lot more about LSU that I'm confident in than there is Texas. Like Sam Ellinger, yeah, he, he's going to be pretty good. Uh, their right tackle is going to left tackle. I think he can be a pretty good player. I think Parker Braun, the Georgia Tech transfer, can help them along the offensive line. I think they have a couple of wide receivers that can go – they have a defensive tackle that I'm pretty confident in, but as far as just overall position groups and individuals that sort of wow me, there's a lot more of those with LSU, and I think there's a lot more position groups that are in a great spot for LSU than there is Texas. The LSU's got a really good quarterback. I like their center and their right guard. Uh, I think I think wide receiver is a position of strength. Corner is a position of strength. Grant Delpit might be the best player in college football at safety. You got Caleb on Chase Son back, Rashard Lawrence back at defensive line. Michael Divinity had a great year. He's going to move inside and help him at linebacker some. So, I mean, I just I, I look at the quality of players and the quality of position groups in both sides of the ball where I think that they can have strengths and cause people problems. A lot more I'm confident in with LSU than I am with Texas. So I'll learn more about Texas in that game than I will LSU. And physically, I think LSU should be the dominant team. I think that that's where they should win that game with guys up front on both offense and defense. I'm really worried about right tackle for LSU. I think that could be a position of concern and one that gets them beat. I think it got them beat at times last year. caused a lot of problems for him a year ago. But they got a quarterback that makes good decisions, and he doesn't have the athletic ability that Ellinger does, but he's a guy that understands that system, understands how to operate within that system and make good decisions in that system and just let other guys make plays. 
Um, I don't know if Foster Moreau's as big of a loss as I would have thought if the, if the offense is really going to go the direction that I'm told that it's going to go. So yeah, I think if I think if Texas Texas is the team that if they're for real and if they're going to really make a push at the playoff, we'll find that out about them in that game. Um, I, I think LSU. LSU could still lose that game and have a good performance, and I'll probably think the same as I do about them right now. Cole, I want to go deeper on this next time we talk, but give me a 30-second thought on Tommy Stevens, the transfer from Penn State coming in, and what he could mean for Mississippi State. Well, he gives you quarterback depth, which not a lot of teams in this league have. I mean, not a lot of teams have a guy that, even if it's for two or three weeks, that could be your starter, or two or three quarters that could go in and sort of manage things and you'd have some confidence in. I mean, there's a pretty steep drop-off from one to two for a lot of teams in this league. He gives you depth, and I think it it sort of has to it forces you to be a little bit concerned about Keaton Thompson, the young man that I've been very high on and very confident in. You know, we had that Tax Slayer Bowl where he goes out and beats Louisville with really a skeleton crew coaching staff, and has showed good mobility. He's got great size. I think he's got a big, strong arm. But yeah. obviously, there's some things within that offense that they they want to improve upon, and thus Tommy Stevens was brought in for that. Cole, thanks as always. We'll talk to you soon. Good luck with uh, the rehab. Thanks, man. Cole Kublik from ESPN and Jocks in Birmingham. We're back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Glad to have you along on this Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for being a part of the show. You can text us at 601-879-4395. 601 601- Eight seven nine four three nine five. That is the C Spire text line. C Spire's got lots of great deals going on. Do you want ultra fast LTE for free? Switch to a twenty five dollar unlimited plan on prepaid by C Spire for two free gigabytes of high speed data each month and a free Samsung J three. Learn more at cspire.com slash prepaid. And hit us up on the C Spire text line. Again, that number, 601-879-4395. By the way, somebody was questioning what Cole was saying about deviated septum surgery. Not the part about it being painful, but the they insert something that they inflate and then remove it. He said, that's a lie. They don't do inflatable things now because I just had it done in Oxford six months ago, and they put in Doyle splints. Look them up. I've been shot and would rather be shot ten times. Ooh. That sounds not, awful. Yeah, I, one. I, I hope don't you don't remember shot it being again. that bad. I had it going on five years ago. Now had those in, and I don't remember them being that bad. I, I know it was annoying, and my nose bled for like eight, nine days straight. But when they pulled them out, it kind of hurt. But the second they were out, it was the best feeling ever mm. because I could actually breathe again for the first time in years. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's possible that they used the Doyle splints that you are referring to on you, and there are other procedure types that are out there. I mean, I don't think Cole's necessarily a liar, um, but I hope you don't get shot ten more times, because that sounds pretty painful also. He's been shot how many times? He said he had been shot once, and has had this deviated septum surgery aware as well when they put the... Doyle splints in, and he would rather be shot 10 more times than have to go through that procedure again. Never been shot, but I don't believe him. Really? I feel like getting shot would be a real bummer. Well, yeah. But maybe this is really painful. 
Maybe getting shot in your foot is not as big a deal as having somebody rip that stuff out of your nose. Probably still going with the nose over being you know, a bullet hole in the foot. You'd roll the dice on that? Probably. If you had to get shot, where would you want to be shot? Uh, in the butt? No, foot. Butt, you can't sit down. I know, but I feel like that would be the mo the easiest one to... No, you can't sit down or go to the bathroom. There's a lot uh, of cushion you... there, though, yeah, but... is what I'm getting at. Like, yeah, I feel but... like absorbing the blow would be easier because you got a whole lot of cushion. You know what I mean? But you got to think long-term here. Like, foot, you just wrap that thing up in a cast, you get one of those cool... Uh, uh, scooters park or park anywhere passes but you get shot in the butt like going to the bathroom's a hassle for the next three months but chief like i don't i don't really i don't i don't see the trade-off here hey dad if you had to pick somewhere to be shot where would it be uh, can, can it like graze my side i got a lot of no, no bullets talking. gotta go in <laughs> yeah it's gotta it's got to go all uh, foot. Foot's the correct answer then, because yeah, he's right. Just I'm just gonna put it. It's like breaking your foot. You just put on a cast and you're okay. It's I highly doubt it's like breaking your foot. I did that and it was not terrible. I mean, isn't the whole thing with being shot is you want it to get muscle and not bone? You yeah. probably don't. And have want you to seen my anything. butt? Got all kinds of muscle back there. How much? Uh -huh. do, how much do we have to get to the Palmer home to let someone shoot Borky in the butt? Buddy, I'm cutting the drawing the line, cutting it off at dog food. Okay, there will, there will be no shooting of Borky in the name of raising money for we all the raise good work that's happening there. Shoot him as he's chowing down on the kibble. Sports talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com. They can help you buy a piece of recreational property where you can go out and target shoot at targets, not, not people, not at me. And not accidentally at yourself. Uh, no, Mississippi Land Bank has been financing land for over 100 years. It's what they do. It's what they know. It's what they're good at. And it's what they are happy to help you with because, well, maybe you've got the dream of buying a piece of property that's out just a little bit. gives you a spot to be able to go fish or to hunt in the fall or in the spring or the wintertime. Or maybe it just gives you a spot to kind of get away and chill out and decompress a little bit. They also provide loans for farmers to buy property, to buy equipment, to refinance existing loans, or to um, uh, get a production loan if that's what you need. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Um, it's time right now for the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. If you've never driven an F-150 and you're thinking about a truck, then I promise you it is worth the test drive, and I think you will like what you get. I've been an F-150 guy for a long time now. Uh, and don't have any interest in going any other route. Uh, also, if you are buying a Ford right now, and you're a military member or a first responder, there's an extra special savings for you. And um, you can check that out right now. I do want to read this text message. I think this is, uh, this is worthwhile for the conversation. So Rippy says he'd rather get shot in the foot. This is from a good friend of mine. He says, Richard, I got shot through the foot. And after two surgeries, staph infection, six months, 
a loss of 38 pounds and 38 years later, I still walk with a limp. Your, th- your three months of bathroom issues seem like less of a big deal now. It could be more than three months of bathroom issues. I was being nice. Perhaps. Just food for thought there. I also had somebody send me a text message and uh, say, is this a through-and-through bullet or is it just a straight gunshot bullet where it stays in you? I, I, I don't know. What kind of question is that? I don't know. I think exit wounds that's are a big deal. That's oddly specific. I would be worried about that guy. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that one. Uh, that one scares you just a little bit. All right. So you found out on what was it Saturday or Sunday? News came out that UConn was leaving the American Athletic Conference. We wondered out loud earlier this week: Is this possibly an opening for Southern Miss to be able to upgrade conference affiliation? According to a story from the Cincinnati Inquirer. Online at Cincinnati.com, initial conversation this, uh, conversations this week among league officials and representatives from member schools indicate the American Athletic Conference is unlikely to replace UConn. While the Huskies leaving for the Big East diminishes the American Athletic Conference's basketball brand, the conference will likely remain at 11 football member schools because despite speculation among national media outlets about potential additions on the gridiron, there doesn't appear to be a school that would agree to join and add value to the league. Air Force, Army, BYU, Georgia State, UAB, and others have been mentioned as potential targets. While a number of programs could realistically perform at a higher level than UConn on the football field, it's hard to find a match that could provide enough prestige, ticket sales, marketing, and most importantly, ESPN viewers and subscribers to make sense. That kind of lines up with what we were talking about, I guess it was on Monday afternoon. I I disagree with BYU. I mean, I think BYU is one that could potentially bring viewers, bring a lot of those other things. Um, Air Force, Army, Georgia State, UAB. I don't know that you would necessarily look at any of those schools and say they add prestige to the league. Boise State was a name that got thrown out. It feels like you're just kind of throwing that out for the sake of throwing it out, doesn't it? I mean, they help on the football side of things, but they really... That's a fair question. Would Boise State help the American Athletic Conference in football? Would it elevate their profile to have a school with a 30,000-seat stadium roll in? I mean, can their football profile be elevated? Uh any more than it is as, as far as a group of five conference? Because most of It's about as good it, as it gets for a non-power five, right? Yeah, and it, it's probably at a ceiling. You may be right about that. Yeah, I agree with Borky, actually. I mean, Boise State would certainly fit in nicely with Houston and UCF and USF and Memphis and UAB. With the exception of geographically. part of that. It's just a long way to Boise, Idaho, from all those other places. Been done, though. West Virginia, Big 12. You think they'd make that move again in the Big 12 if they had the chance? I have Missouri no and the SEC, look how far they're traveling. 
to be in the Who? SEC East, too. Missouri. Yeah. But that's still closer than Houston to Boise. Or yeah. UCF to Boise. Yeah. We'll continue the college football fix after this. It's um, it's always fascinating to me. Stick to sports guy is not fascinating to me. It's just that person that's out there. It's always fascinating to me, though, the life experiences that exist out there. So when you throw out a question like, um, if you had to be shot, where in the body would you want to be shot, and you offer a couple of opinions, you get a lot of responses. Rippy said he would like to be shot in the foot, which I think probably is a bad idea. Borky says he would like to be shot in the rump, which Rippy thought was a really bad idea. Hey, that was a little noncommittal. I just don't want to be shot. Taylor on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed says, let's not forget a little bird shot from across the way ain't the same as taking a forty-five to the body. It's a good point. It's a reasonable point. Uh, but here are some of the responses on the ceasefire text line. Alex in Starkville says, pinky finger, left hand. Well, that's a good Fair call. enough. Uh, if I'm shot, I want to be shot at the hospital. That was a uh, from a, a Nashville area code, I believe. Already har har. Somebody says, I'm with Michael Borky on this one, and they sent us a picture of Forrest Gump eating ice cream lying on his stomach with the bullet being removed. <laughs> Richard, ice cream. Uh, George in West Point says, I always wondered what it would like feel like to get shot. In my younger foolish days was in an outing and got into it with someone and got shot. I was so drunk I could not remember how it felt. Feel like I got cheated. <laughs> George. What you have to do is lie, though, is you got shot. I didn't even feel a thing, man. If you get drunk enough to not feel that you were shot. I'll have what you're having. Yeah, did you win or lose? Tim says, I got shot in the hand. That's what happens when somebody is trying to rob you and gra you grab the barrel. Had surgery to replace my knuckle, but the bullet went all the way through. Didn't even know I was <laughs> shot until he ran off. Big time in it. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, Will in Euporus says, if it's a very precise shot, earlobe, I don't need it. I responded, that's really really close to the jugular. Yeah, earlobe and pinky guy have got to get out of here. It has to be realistic. I mean, pinky would kind of be optimal, right? Yeah, but no one realistically, if someone's going to shoot you, no one's going to be like, yeah, let me get this cat in the pinky. Like, it's got to be somewhere like you would actually get shot. You could get shot in the foot. You could shoot yourself in the foot. Shot myself in the foot with a BB gun one time. No big deal. Not the same. Was it a Red Rider? Not the same. Uh, yeah, I think it was my next-door neighbor's Red Rider. I'm glad it was his instead of mine. I had one of the ones that like you, you pumped up a few times so it functioned more like an air rifle. That would have hurt. Was that um, an accident, or were you just testing it? No, it was an accident. I mean, not like an accident. Like, I was walking along with the BB gun barrel sit on my foot. I mean, it's stupid. We used to do that with airsoft guns. So we, we would start like 50 yards apart and then shoot at each other. And if you were, if, like, if you were willing to take your opponent's shot, then you'd take a step forward, and you'd keep shooting at each other. This is how stupid we were. Airsoft, like BBs? Yeah, like it, no, airsoft gun. It, it's a different pellet. It, it looks kind of like a bullet, I guess. At least ours did. But it's a little bit different. They're more accurate. 
Airsoft is what they use. Uh, I mean, you know, like a pellet gun. Yeah, I guess it shoots uh, the little mellow, metal pointed tip pellets. Yeah, I, and we called that airsoft. I don't know if it was different here, but that's yeah. So we would Borky, line up. Of all the dumb things you've told no, me that no, you've no, done no. in the your life, plastic BBs, the colored plastic BBs. Oh, that's an airsoft gun. Oh. You're thinking of a pellet gun. Yes, I was thinking of a pellet gun. No, no, these are plastic BBs. Oh. They're not fun. I'm not trying to like emasculate Borky here, but it's not a pellet gun. Like, okay, different thing. Um. Those things hurt, though. John and Brandon says he got shot in the head and it wasn't terrible. Um, would like to hear more. Yeah, what 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 about it was not terrible? Colin Hattiesburg says he'd like to get shot through the love handle. <laughs> That's what I was talking about <laughs> on the hip. It's pretty close to the kidney, though, isn't it? But if you take yes. one in the hip, like if they miss the love handle and actually hit like the hip bone, you're done. I'm getting a Marine Corps sniper to do this for me. I'm getting. I'm going top of the top of the. the, the you the want chart. to get shot by a sniper? Yeah, I'm gonna get somebody who's very who's who's a, a trained shooter. I'm not just gonna let you. I'm not just gonna hand you a gun, Rippy, and be like, "All right, let's go." Yeah, that guy sneezes or something in your toast. <clears throat> hey, our guy earlier that said uh, Cole was uh, ridiculous. The Doyle splints thing. He'd rather to get rather get shot. He said, "I didn't mean to call him a liar. Just meant it's the roughest surgery I've had." I was shot in the rump. Well, I actually shot myself in my sleep to make it worse. What? David and Jackson says he's still has a bullet lodged in his knee joint. Got shot in the back of the knee. It hit the joint and turned and went down into the bone. There are a lot of people that have been shot. I'm still curious about shooting yourself in your sleep. Is that like a Plaxico Burris situation where he had his gun on his belt and sat down on the toilet and shot himself that way? Well, he wasn't asleep. He just, he just nodded he off was, on uh... the couch. <laughs> mm. Yeah, Plaxico Burris was, was busy. Uh, isn't there an <laughs> argument that uh, Juan Pierre Paul would have been better off getting shot than having a firework going off in his hand? Excuse me? Who? Jason. What? Jason Pierre Jason Pierre Paul. Pierre Paul. <laughs> We just combined <laughs> 90s slugger Juan Pierre. <laughs> I thought you were giving his name some pizzazz. I didn't really know what was going on there. I uh, it was I was just going with the alternate pronunciation. Have you not? Have you guys not seen the pronunciation guy with the phonetic spellings on it? They've got Juan instead of it's European. You were family like a European vacation trip and just prepping for when you got over there. I didn't really know what was going on. Um, no, I would much rather have a firework go off in my head than, you know, be shot in the hand. Have you seen his hand? Yeah, but you get shot squarely in the hand. I feel like a bullet would do more damage than, I don't know, an M80. I don't know. If it goes through, I must say he's in better shape today than the nubs that he's got for fingers. Yeah, it feels like if he got in shot the, in the hand, it would be better than it getting blown up. It would break all the bones, though. and like and So you have one surgery and fix them, and you still got all five digits. Have you seen his hand? Google his hand. I've seen it. It's bad. No, I know he's not. That doesn't happen if you get penalty, shot like, in the hand. <laughs> but like, <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> I don't understand. It's not really the point. What did he say? <laughs> he said he, he said he's never going to get a face mask penalty. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Oh wow! I still don't think you're better off if you get shot than if a firework goes off in your hand. I don't. I don't buy that. I mean, if you're talking about a firecracker, I would tend to agree with you. 
Have you seen this video going around today with like demonstrating firework deaths on mannequins such a heavy metal music? <laughs> yeah, my kids thought that was great. My wife was appalled. Well, put <laughs> me in the video. boat with your kids. I, I was that. laughing. I was cackling yeah. as I watched it. All right, FanDuel has their over-under win totals for all of FBS. If you want to check those out, you can do so. Let's start, though, by looking at Ole Miss and Mississippi State. All right? Mississippi State, over or under eight and a half? I'm, I'm going under. I'm going under on that. That's Eight and a half is a lot. Eight and a half means you're beating Auburn, A&M, LSU, or Alabama, one of those four. Now, Auburn I'm not too high on, but that is on the road. Um, yeah, I would, I would take the under as we sit here today. I thought you were like on the Auburn's going to be smelly garbage train. I am, but... I have a I have a, a a method for how I like to pick games sometimes, and it's okay. who has the better quarterback, who has the better coach, and who has the who has home field. I don't really yeah. know who the quarterback is for either team. Malzahn and Moorhead, kind of a push. So it's on the road. I'm going to take Auburn today. All right. I lean in the direction of under eight and a half for Mississippi State. I mean, a nine-win season is historically significant at Mississippi State. There just haven't been that very many of them. You lose a record-setting quarterback. You lose most of the number one defense or one number one or number two, depending on which metric you look at, from a season ago. Those things are hard to replace. You're not sure who the quarterback's going to be. Not sure how you're going to use your stud running back. Um, I agree with everything you're saying. Seven and five in the regular season with a bowl win gets you to eight. Well, I mean they could. And you're go still eight. under. They could get to eight and still be under because it's this is regular season only. So I feel like if it were seven and a half, I'd go over because eight feels right. But eight and a half is a ton. Yeah, eight, eight eight is the sweet spot. But they're going to have to be better offensively. Ole Miss over under five it always messes you up when there's not a half game in there. Yeah, and I can't take five, can I? No, I mean. No, it's either over or under five. Ask me on September 1st. Because I think that will be determined on the outcome of the Memphis game. If they lose to Memphis, they're not winning five games. But if they beat Memphis, there's a path to a bowl. I'm going over. I think they get to six. I do. We'll look at some of the other totals in the SEC. We'll hit some over-unders and maybe some other interesting schools from around the country as well. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. You can text us. You're over or under eight and a half and five for Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Um, I feel like I have to share this because we've gotten like little bits and pieces of this story via text message. So our buddy, and I still don't have a name on this, who Cole talked about a deviated septum. He responded with, that's a lie. They don't do inflatable things. I just had it done. I'd rather be shot ten times, which is the entire reason we're having the conversation about whether you've been shot and where you'd want to be shot if you had to be shot. And he followed it up with, I shot myself while sleeping to make it worse. To which Riffy said, I need more details. Or maybe Borky said, I need more details. Here they are. Uh, Concealed carry weapon was on me. Came home, the door had accidentally been left open, and the dogs got in the house and peed on our bed. 
Wife had stripped the bed, so I went into the guest room watching TV and just laid across the bed while the sheets were drying, and I was fully clothed, still watching TV, and fell asleep. Well, my wife just left me in there, and about 1 a.m., I unknowingly reached in my pocket in my sleep and pulled the trigger. A 380 ACP is the best alarm clock in the world. I lost radio service, and the last thing I heard was, wonder how that happened. Must have been a hell of a dream. Hey! Thankfully, he is able to text us today. Perhaps years later. And that is the rest of the story, as the great Paul Harvey would say. There you go. That's what I like to hear. All right, so win totals. We gave you Mississippi State at 8.5, Ole Miss at 5. Borky, where are you on Ole Miss? Over or under 5? Oh, you, you said you were abstaining until September 1st? Well, I, I may not abstain. I guess I'll, I'll take over because I think people are underselling how dramatically they upgraded at both play callers and from scheme on both sides of the ball. I know they lost pieces on offense, but still, if... Uh, they do what I expect them to do. They should be able to beat uh, Memphis and a bad Arkansas team in Selah and New Mexico State and Vanderbilt and California. I mean, that is not a tough road to six wins, and I think they should be able to do that. Anything more than that, I don't know. But six doesn't seem inconceivable. All right. Hey, Dad, are you sure that these are regular season totals? Yeah. Because okay, so th- because if you think about playoffs, there are teams that you could possibly get two extra games in there, plus championship games and everything else. These are strictly regular season totals. All right, regular season win totals. Over or under? Alabama 11. Over. So you got Alabama undefeated in the regular undefeated. season? Undefeated, yes. Over. Georgia 11. Over. So who do you have in the uh, SEC championship game this year, hey, Dad? Missouri. <laughs> couple of 12 and O's. I'll go uh, under for Georgia, but they're both going to meet in the SEC title game. Over under nine for Florida. Florida under. will probably lose to LSU and Georgia. Road games at Kentucky, LSU, South Carolina, and Missouri. Their schedule sets up really well for them. Yeah, and they have Miami, Florida State. Those aren't those are winnable. Not probably they're probably ten and two. Under. So, so you go over. Yeah. And Rippy's going under. LSU at nine. Over. Over. Yeah, I I kind of think they're a ten win team this year. Mississippi State at eight and a half. We've talked about Auburn at eight. Under. Over. I've oh. talked about this theory before. Every time Gus. Like you think he's back against the wall? Yeah, he pulls. It's going to be in some ridiculous fashion. He's going to win two games. I'll go over. Texas A and M at seven and a half. That's an interesting one there. I I will tell you this: it 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 does. I I will say this about A and M. I think this is the last time for a while that you will see their win total at seven and a half going into the season. I think they win eight games. They have Clemson and they have Georgia and Alabama. So there's they're playing three of the playoff teams. So there's three losses. They go to well, LSU was, to end the season as well. Was it eight and a half or eight? Or is it seven and a half? Seven and a half. They could get to eight. 
So it means by the, I wouldn't bet it, but it's it's by the skin of their teeth because you know we're saying they have no room for error because I don't think they're going to beat Alabama and Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, or LSU. Missouri at six and a half. That's probably over. Tennessee at six and a half. Oof. They'll win their last four. They'll do the very typical Tennessee thing and win at the end of the year, making everybody going into 2020 think Tennessee's back. So they'll win their last four games. Under six and six. I think I see seven for Tennessee this year. Arkansas at six. Under. They get four autos with their that, non-conference they got, schedule. They, they've got four gimmies, so do they you think they're going to win? They had four gimmies last year and lost one of, at least one of them. No. No, you're under. right. Under. under. Because, I mean, they got to pick up three wins in the SEC to get to the over. No chance. Not happening. I mean, they might land on six. Kentucky at six. Hmm. South Carolina at six, Ole Miss and Vanderbilt both at five. South Carolina at six is going to – I mean, they could be improved from last year. That schedule is unbelievable. Toughest in college football. Seven and five. For South Carolina? Yeah, under for Kentucky. Under the six for Kentucky. Let's just hit a couple of these from other leagues. Uh, Clemson at 11 and a half. They're not losing. They're not losing, yeah, over. What's that half um, trying to prove? Come on. Yeah. So, sounds like we already got three-fourths of the playoff. Ohio yes, State ten and a half. That's going to be interesting. That That's a team just, outside of the SEC worth watching this year. I mean, you've got a new, completely unproven, inexperienced head coach. You've got a quarterback that everybody's really high on, completely unproven, inexperienced. But you've got a bunch of NFL guys on defense, and you've got an NFL first-round caliber, anyway, running back in J.K. Dobbins. Who knows? Could be a really good team. They lose dual-threat quarterback Dwayne Haskins, though. (laughs) He's more of a runner. You said nine and a half. Was that the number? No, it was ten and a half. I mean, it feels like they could go ten and two. Yeah, ten and two. I think they could go under ten and a half. That's a lot of wins. They could be ten and oh and then lose to Penn State and Michigan in the last two weeks of the season. How about Michigan at nine and a half? Well, if they're not over, over. I got questions. Yeah. Uh, Texas at nine and a half? I mean, if if you want to give them a loss to LSU and give them a loss to Oklahoma... They should beat everybody else. Yeah, but I mean, would you be surprised if they lost a game to Oklahoma State? I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Oklahoma, though. Okay, That's true, too. They beat them last year. always gets weird. They beat them last year. Uh, Utah at nine. I gave you Utah yesterday as the winner of the Pac-12. I gotta see their schedule. I'll take the over on the Utes. That league might be kind of fun. Well, it's always fun. Pac-12 after dark. Well, I mean, not even just timing. I mean, with storylines, is Chip Kelly ever going to turn it around and become what he was at Oregon? Oregon. Well, it's only year two, but that's a storyline going into the season. Southern Cal, their emergence. You really young quarterback. You've got. An NFL caliber guy at Oregon. We'll see what Jacob Eason does. Suddenly, and then Mike Leach is always entertaining for things that really have nothing to do with football. That league is going to be kind of interesting. Pac-12 after dark feels exactly like you think it would feel in person, too. That's kind of what I deducted after that California trip. 
not very impressive? No, it's just weird. Like, you know, there's a fault line running through the stadium. It didn't feel like half anybody the there really paying cared. attention. Yeah, exactly. Like you wonder if half the crowd's paying attention. Half the crowd's sitting up on a mountain above the stadium with like a cooler and a tent. Um, Ole Miss scores zero points in the second half after neither team could get a stop in the first half. It's very weird. A cooler, a tent, and a cause for which to protest. Berkeley and whatnot. Yeah, home of free speech. Yeah. Um, but a lot of rugby shirts. It's not really the home of free speech. Yeah, it's kind of the joke. Yeah. <laughs> ben Shapiro and whatnot. <laughs> that took a turn. Yeah, it kind of did. Um, oh, there's debates tonight that... I don't think anybody here is going to watch. Aren't there like 326 people that are going to be part of the initial debate? They had Honestly, to divide the group it. into two because there wasn't enough stage space for all and of them And five once. moderators. Yeah. Rippy and I are, are running. Rippy, hey, Dad, 2020. There's not one person in that Democratic debate tonight that's going to get more than like three and a half minutes of talk time. Yeah, it was somebody did the what math. What will they give away in that time? Say what? What will be free? What will be free to us? What will, they, what will they promise us that's going to be free? I tell you what else. I tell you what will be free outside of what you already pay for however you watch the College World Series Game 3 final. And that was Lib Talk Mississippi. Now it says you can't get elsewhere. Yeah, let's just move right along. What do you think? <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon. We've got a bunch of different directions today. Been a lot of offshoots in the uh, the last three hours. We'll wrap it up next in the Renaissance. Leave us alone. Oh, we're good. It's fun. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.